by refusing to testify before the House, is the administration just giving the Democrats yet another issue to bang them over the head with? No, not at all. In fact, what they what they finally decided to do is not give all of those Democrats their little five second, fifteen second, pitch. you know, fundraising sound bites. Right. I mean, you know, it's funny today is Cinco de Mayo, um, and yet I kind of viewed that questioning as let's make uh, Attorney General Barr our pinata. And let's just attack him and slander him right to his face. There wasn't any real questioning going on by by the people that were elected to do this. And uh, it's well, not, not in, it's not, not a surprise the they want their staffers yeah. to uh, to ask those questions because they weren't asking questions. They were just making political. That was, I mean, that was in the Senate. That was in the Senate. And there is right. a five minute rule. Right. I mean, that's yeah. one of the things is so you can have more in-depth questioning as opposed to being limited by this five minute rule. I used to work in the House. Right. So I'm very familiar with it, where each member only gets five minutes, so it becomes these little snippets and sound bites, as you call them. But, but, but if you it, have a, yep. if you have, if you have staffers doing it, you have more time. It becomes less of political political theater, and much more getting delving in and getting to the core issues by staffers who have, who have been more prepared. I want to ask Abdin Palish, who is a former reporter. He's now on the communication staff. Of the state uh, controller in the state in the state of Illinois, Susanna Mendoza, and uh, a guy who's used to asking questions. My question to you is: If the senators rose to the occasion to ask Barr questions, mm-hmm. why couldn't the House have done the same thing? Why could, did they? Why did they need to have staffers do it? Well, it seems to me like we're and it's 30, could, 32 years since staffers ever asked anybody a question. Well, other than in the Kavanaugh hearing where you had a staff. Oh, but that was a completely different situation. But, but here, yeah, we're, I mean, we're, 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 we're criticizing out of both sides of our mouths. Is, is, is the issue that we want uh, the Congress people themselves to ask the questions so they can get their five-minute sound bites, or do we want the staffers to ask it so it can be, like, less politically charged? I mean, I think that the, the, telling, thing here, the telling thing here is that um, uh, Barr has made an unredacted version of the Mueller report available to – um, the leadership, um, actually both com- both intelligence committees, um, and the Democrats, including um, Nadler, who is trying to uh, you know issue the subpoena to cashier Mueller or to cashier Barr in, in front of the the House committee, hasn't even looked at it. That shows you right. the exact purpose of that hearing. If it were about intelligence, if it were about right. Russian interference in the election, they would be uh, taking advantage of that opportunity to look at the unredacted right. report, Friday, and they haven't. As of Friday, not a single Democrat senior leadership person went in and what, availed themselves of that opportunity. Jacob, in your opinion, what is it that the House uh, interrogators, be they members of the House or their staff, what is it that they were going to get out of the attorney general that the Senate didn't do the day before? Well, first of all, the Attorney General um, was not very forthcoming with information in the Senate and was was being protected by his Republican handlers on the the committee, which is obviously the Senate committee is is obviously controlled by Republicans. Where did he screw up, in your opinion? Um, I I, I thought Kamala Harris's, you know, Questioning was very interesting. Where he started parsing words, I, I can't remember what the right. word was. There was a she was the she, one that nailed him. She, she nailed him, him. And, and and he and then he started you know engaging in this Bill Clinton esque you know. Well, it depends what your definition of the word is. Is I can't remember what what word he started to parse with and 
play with, oh, I don't understand your question as to whether I was, you know, asked. Let me ask you the question about, about Kamala Harris, yeah. who I think she kind of stole the show. She, and and, and she, she got the attorney general to admit that neither he nor Rod Rosenstein, the assistant attorney general, had looked at the evidence before the Mueller report. Did that surprise you? No, it did not. It didn't. It, no, it did not. And, you know, and the question back to Kamala Harris when she was a state attorney general is, did you review the evidence of every case that was presented to you for prosecution? No, not every didn't. case. And and so how about a case I involving the president? Actually, how, about a, how about a case involving the president of the United States? Doesn't that make that case a little bit well, different, Jeff? What, I actually, um, what do you think about just this particular point? What, and this is what this is what this is the answer that was that she elicited. Yes, I mean, so, he did, he had not looked, nor had Rosenstein looked at any of the evidence in this case. And does that surprise you? No, because what I the way I see that is that he wants the public to have the information the same time he sees it, right? Because if he had reviewed this evidence beforehand and, you know, there were already conspiracies about, you know, Rosenstein was going to fire Mueller. Then Barr was going to fire Mueller. Everybody's going to fire Mueller. And Mueller's this hero. And then uh, he puts out the summary, um, works with Mueller's team to uh, light, very lightly redact that report, never used executive privilege, and and put all of this out to the to the uh, public, and somehow this is a cover up. It makes no sense to me. One eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine from coast to coast and border to border. We've got some calls coming in. We will hear from them when we roll on tonight from beautiful Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Hey y'all, I'm Blake Shelton. I love that country music connects people all over this great nation, but unfortunately so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million children struggle with hunger in America. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks works to rescue our surplus food to help provide billions of meals to families in need across the country. Join the fight against hunger at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org slash caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. If you did not hear the news earlier in the day, Mark Morgan, who once upon a time uh, headed uh, immigration uh, and uh, control ICE for the Obama administration, has now been hired by President Trump for the same job. So here's someone who uh, was uh, with Obama. He must have liked what he said. Certainly uh, Morgan was on uh, he was on Fox frequently appraising the, the president's uh, program, so it doesn't surprise me that he was probably doing a job interview and he got the job. He's going to be the head of ICE. Any, any thoughts of did the Democrats? Are, are you happy with that, that a former Obama person is going to be given a hot job, or do you think he's sold out already? <laughs> I, 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 what do you think? 
I, <laughs> Do we know anything about this guy? It, it should be encouraging. You know, the, the no. uh, uh, administrations hire folks of the opposite uh, party or who work for the other party. I don't know much about this. One thing that came out of the uh, hearing last week uh, when the senators were testifying, there was a lot of discussion uh, over the use of the word spying by the attorney general. And uh, he agreed that he didn't think it was unusual that that word was was used. And then later on, when he talked about uh, what was going to go forward, is that there was going to be he was going to look into uh, some of the, uh, the the predicate, the initial predicate uh, for the Mueller report. And he then suggested that there will be an investigation of the investigators, which many Republicans have asked for, and some Democrats, but mostly Republicans over the last year. And so my question to you is, uh, do you think there's great political capital to be made, Stephanie, by going after um, all of the stories about Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and James Comey and McCabe and the whole group? Well, I think think the political capital will come when and if they do in fact find um, instances of inappropriate surveillance um, and uh, and and uh, are we are we referring to court issued wiretaps? Well, based, I mean based, warrants that were issued by federal on, courts based on being, information you know, in a dossier that was inappropriately it was provided. a campaign document and it was created exactly by the opposing political and campaign. provided by a foreign government right and so. Yes, I think the Americans would want to know this because if the let's put the shoe on the other foot, if this had happened to Obama, the Democrats yeah, if, would be if, outraged that, if, if that w, we would not look into the right. fact that a foreign national, a foreign government provided false information that became the predicate for this two-year investigation. And here's, here's my here's my is my political question, gov- and then I want to hear from the Democrats, Jeff. Is this a political gain? In other words, there's a lot of people. In fact, I said on this program last last week, I think the American people, a lot of people, including a lot of people that I know that are politically astute, there's there's fatigue. There's investigation fatigue. There's special counsel fatigue. And, and, and I said I didn't think it was a good idea. In retrospect, I've changed my mind because I do think the answers to these questions are very important. It's important to know what's really going on in the country. And even if the people don't want to know it, it's probably information they should know. My question to you is, is this going to be a political gain or a political loss? Just just on the politics of it, and then I want to hear from the Democrats. I mean, obviously, without knowing what conclusions would be reached, it's, it's hard to say if it's going to be a political gain or loss. I think it's going to be a net positive. Um, I think there are a lot of people who are uh, supporters of the president who are incredible, incredibly skeptical of the federal government and its power – and if it turns out that they abused abuse power systemically over two years to to hurt a political opponent, that would be an explosive revelation. Abdin Pelish, I want to ask you, you're a Democrat I think, now. Um, I, I think it's, is there is there is there political gain uh, for the Democrats if if the Republicans decide to go down a, a, a an investigative trail? Of their I, own? I am so happy to hear the Republicans saying that. We should be concerned if a foreign government is trying to meddle in an American election. That is, I'm, I'm glad to hear that now. Um, so, yeah, right. It's, <laughs> um, I, it's been the position from know, day one. This, yeah. is, this is an attempt to try and elevate something else up. The, the, we have 448 pages of how you know, Russia meddled with the American election. Not all 448 pages, but a great deal the Mueller report is about 
uh, the, the documented, you know, 250 instances of the, you know, uh, the Trump campaign having conversations with Russia about getting involved in the election. Um, that, that, that is a serious documented thing. Now, this is, well, let's see if we can find something else to try and elevate to, to be a distraction against that. You know, we'll see if it works for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think fundamentally that's the issue. And, and any of these other things about the dossier and all the other stuff is a diversion from what we have is a 448-page report that details in specifically that, you know, Russia is interfering with our democracy in a way that's sweeping and systematic. So, and, 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 you know, we've got an administration which knows, it is known for sure, that in 2020, there is going to be interference. We have a, a House of Representatives who has tried to get through funding to impose greater security precautions on our on our uh, electoral system. Republicans in the White House are fighting back on that. The White House, we have cybersecurity. It's a national security problem with our with our entire cyber system we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of jobs that are unfilled in intelligence at the NSA the the Trump administration refuses to fill them I it agree. is not taking seriously a threat to our national security I, I I agree with you 100% but let me ask the question that I asked Abdin a few moments ago and that is and you're you're a civil libertarian and you're a lawyer my question to you is, if the shoe was on the other foot and we were talking about actions of the FBI or the Justice Department with a sitting Republican president that was using the power of those agencies or certainly high-ranking people within those agencies to conduct an investigation and, and into an opposition candidate, wouldn't you be upset? Take the politics out of it, the principle of it. It's, would, it's no would, different. Wouldn't that, would that, but would that not bother you? I, I, first of all, I think I think that this is being made up from whole cloth as a way to just counter what we have and what we know is is, Jacob, is misdeeds. The, but the the the, 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 the communication between Peter Strzok and and Lisa Page, as as well as as others within the FBI, okay. that's not made up. It was uh, to, me, to me and, not and to, to me not Russia. to me not yeah, very right. significant. McCabe's, to me not very yeah, significant. McCabe's it, conversations <laughs> were not made up. I mean, the Inspector General of the United States has already come up with recommendations as to why conduct within the FBI was wrong. There's going to be another one coming up in 60 days. And McCabe was fired I don't know. for lying. I do not know how but, anyone, whether they're a Republican or Democrat, couldn't be outraged by the actions of of the let's say the top five people in the FBI and what they did to disrupt our election and to try to overturn it. Well, that, right. that's, that's going be. way beyond the text messages. That's way beyond anything that was in the text messages. The text messages, the text messages, well, we, the, the, what know we that. know of the text yeah. messages, they were, they were pretty fairly innocuous. Obviously, two people who do, did not like Trump do not like Trump, but – and there was there was a resignation at two and key positions, it was done. At two key positions. Uh, uh, so we're going to follow have, Trump have, and we're going to let Hillary go. They, Those are significant. Right. Yeah, they if tried look at, if to you change look, things. I mean, that's the thing is we're talking definite. about two people. And it's not just that they voiced their personal dis- dislike and then went and did their jobs dutifully and appropriately. We've now linked that what they were doing in their jobs completely reflected how they felt about this president. Well, and you and look that's at, scary. You look this, at the completely this isn't the kind, You know what? If they're yeah. going to investigate it, go ahead and investigate it. But that should not be used 
as a device to overshadow the real issues, which is we have a national security problem with a foreign government, the Soviet Union, essentially well, what about coming in you, and, un, and you, undermining our feel, democratic Jeff, process. You, now, Jeff, are you are you as exercised as Jacob is about that finding of the Mueller report? I mean, the, the cybersecurity vulnerabilities are something that I would like um, greater attention to be paid to because those have existed for a long time. Um, China is actually probably the bigger threat there, uh, especially when you look at um, things like the Office of Personnel Management hack that happened under um, President Obama. That was probably one of the greatest intelligence failures of the modern United States, and it just disappeared and nobody even remembers about it. So, yes, I think we should shore up our our, our cyber defenses on that. Absolutely. And, and, and by the way, Obama, President Obama was rightfully criticized when the story came out that when he had a conversation with Putin – he said again. This was in He'd September. Get more flexibility. After. No, 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 yeah, no. It was, med, it was Medvedev. Medvedev. No, 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 no. That was. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh. Okay. I'm talking about a conversation that took place in September of 2016 when the president was meeting with Putin, and he basically said, "Cut it out." There were rumors that there might have been some Russian involvement, and he said, "Cut it out." Didn't really do anything, did it? Well, that's my point. <laughs> we never my followed. Point, through. We point, never followed through with point, sanctions and, as and we should be. We fair. should be. My we should point, be. Yeah, my that, point then and now is, who believed that? There wasn't right. any conservative that, that believed that Barack Obama saying cutting it out uh, would have reacted. Now let's go to yesterday, or let, let's go to yesterday. A ninety alleged ninety-minute conversation between Putin and Donald Trump. Donald Trump never brings up the subject. Now, can I just say, What's your, what was not, your reaction of my that? My reaction is, this is what how he was responding to a reporter's question. And we all know that Donald Trump tends to speak off the cuff. He tends to talk in funny ways. I cannot imagine that he did not have some sort of conversation or isn't planning or had something to do with Putin about this specific issue on he the said no. He was but, lying. The question but was if you asked, watch and he how said he does no. It, it's off the cuff, and frankly, I don't think he's going to tell that reporter what he said. That's I the would, way he I is. would not expect him to tell the reporter what he said. I am a little bit shocked that he answered no. As an American, I'm sort of really upset that he said no because I think there should be some conversation. Hopefully, Donald Trump. When he says something to Putin, he's going to get a better response than Barack Obama saying, cut it out. Anyway, we got to pause. 1-800-723-8289. We'll be back shortly with your call. Juice, Mom. Juice, juice, juice. Mommy, why are we going to the store? Mom, Mom I want Mommy. juice. Mom. Juice, 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 Mom. Mom. Your child will have different needs at different stages of life, and that includes the car seat. See, car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. 
Bruce Dumont back in Chicago or Elk Grove Village, which is just uh, north of the city of Chicago. And we have four great guests this evening, and I'm going to take a moment and let them introduce themselves. And we'll begin with our two Republicans, and we'll start with Jeff Hall. Jeff? Uh, my name is Jeff Holm. I'm uh, the club development chair for the Young Republican National Federation, which is a nationwide um, organization of young Republican chapters. Uh, I used to run the Chicago Young Republicans. Uh, I did that for about four years. Um, and uh, I'm involved in, in um, a slate that's running for national office at the young Republican level. Um, I'm born and raised in the, in the suburbs. I live in the city, um, and uh, I'm just interested in politics kind of as a hobby. Okay. Stephanie Hitt. I'm Stephanie Hitt. I'm a uh, political activist um, in, out of uh, the uh, People's Republic of Evanston and, uh, <laughs> and uh, chauffeur extraordinaire my, in my prior life. I was an attorney, uh, including a stint um, at the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, under Rudy Giuliani, and uh, an attorney uh, in private practice as well. And um, and I just love politics. And you went to school in Virginia? I did. And the state is Ooh, still NCAA, Well, NCAA champions, yeah. I know. <laughs> Finally. The state government's still screwed up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jacob Meister. Uh, I'm an attorney. Um Worked on Capitol Hill for a number of years. For whom? Uh, Jim Moody, a Democrat from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. That was back in the 80s. Um, I'm a, I do a lot of civil rights work. I'm founder of an LGBT civil rights organization called the Civil Rights Agenda. And generally very politically active and have been a candidate myself mm-hmm. for, and maybe, for, maybe. for United States Senate and for uh, clerk of the Circuit Court of and, Cook County. And in the Senate, you ran against whom? Uh, that was the uh, that was for the vacancy created when Barack Obama went to the White House, and who won that primary? That was Alexei Janoulias. Okay, and he went down to defeat. And Abdin Palish. And my name is Abdin Palish, and I uh, the director of communications for Illinois Controller Susana Mendoza. Uh, I did twenty five years in journalism. Uh, most of that is the political reporter for the Chicago Sun Times. Also uh, co-wrote the R. Kelly stories with uh, our rock critic Jim DeRogatis. They're 19 years later, finally having some effect. Uh, and how did that? Uh, how did you get the tip on that? I mean, the, the R. Kelly R. Kelly story now is a huge yeah. national story. So again, this was you had the tip of this iceberg about 19 years ago. Yeah. How did how did that story start? In, in, in covering, you know, R. Kelly, uh, who was the biggest, you know, R and B performer out of Chicago since Curtis Mayfield. Uh, Jim DeRogatis would hear stories about out on, out on the, uh, you know, at, at, after the concerts, every night there would be 19-year-old women, 20-year-old women, but R. Kelly would have interest in the 14-year-old girl in the corner, you know, standing looking at her shoes, and he'd mm-hmm. have somebody, you know, go uh, give her his number and ask her to contact him. And so we, you know, uh, wrote up a story about this, you know, talking to a lot of folks in the community, just knocking on doors. And, you know, once we started the first stories, we got more tips and, ultimately got the video that led to the first uh, child pornography charges against him back in 2002, which after the longest uh, stretch of a trial buildup, seven years until it finally went to trial in uh, mm-hmm. 2008, um, which resulted in an acquittal because the judge severely limited the amount of information at the trial and only made it about that video. And now, uh, 19 years later, he's been charged again after a documentary uh, and a mm-hmm. lot more good reporting by Jim Durigatis. How does how does how do you feel as a reporter when you're in on a story, and you and you break it 19 years ago, 
and it takes 19 years for that now to uh, apparently come to some uh, justice in the horizon. Bittersweet. I mean, it's justice delayed is justice denied. And had the, and I, I don't fault the prosecutors in this case. I think they, they, they tried. The, the, the judge pretty much threw out all, all the evidence that Jim and I had reported on of all the prior girls that he did this to and made this just about the one video. Had, had the amount of evidence that the makers of this Surviving R. Kelly video that aired on Lifetime, and I encourage you, if you haven't watched it, watch all six hours of the Surviving R. Kelly video. It's amazing. Had they gathered together all the victims to testify the way they did in this documentary back 11 years ago, we could have prevented 11 years' worth of him victimizing young girls. Hmm. Well, again, congratulations for that work many years ago. We've got callers on the line. They've been waiting a long time. Let's go to Mike, the Pacific Northwest, Spokane, Washington. Mike, good afternoon. Thank you, Bruce, home of Bing Crosby and Gonzaga basketball. You got it. Well, I like to talk about communist, yeah, communist China and Virginia, communist China and Joe Biden. As we know, China is building islands near the Philippines. These islands have runways for military aircraft. The Chinese interferes with the U.S. Navy near the Philippines. Cyber attacks by China on America occur daily. Christians are tortured in China. So, Joseph, China is a serious threat, and I hope you wake up. What was the reaction, uh, Jacob, when uh, when Biden seemed to uh, to, to cast aside uh, China as as an important uh, uh, player uh, on the world stage uh, within the last? Well, I mean, clearly, hours? clearly, it, I, I never said that China isn't something to be very concerned about, and and there is. Um, well, what about when Joe Biden says it? Well, I think Joe Biden has a, a very serious recognition of the economic power that China holds and the the inner uh, the interplay between our our two economies. I mean, China the the bigger issue with China is that they are going to eclipse our economy. They own our debt. Our debt this year is on pace to be three trillion dollars. And guess who's going to own that debt? And guess what? Coming down the pike, the power that China is going to have over our economy. So I, I agree with you. China is something to watch and be concerned about. I think Joe Biden is right to recognize that that we we need to. Um, he basically said that, that that he wouldn't worry about it because the, yeah. the United States is going to is we're going to win. I mean, why are we worried about yeah, China? I mean, he almost dismissed it. I mean, you, you, frankly, you're taking I'm not familiar with those comments. I'm not familiar with those comments. You should take a look at it because you're, you're more firm and more concerned about China than Joe Biden appears well, to be. By a long when, shot. When, when, okay. when Joe said, when, okay, uh, I didn't, did I misstate that? You know, I, I and I, I don't, I'm just looking here. I'm not seeing the full text of the comments he had, but it, I, there's there's nothing wrong with saying that American uh, workers and know-how can beat Chinese workers and know-how. I think if if, uh, under a, if it were a Biden administration right now negotiating the uh, trade trade bill with China as opposed to the Trump administration, wouldn't have headlines like in today's New York Times talking about how the human rights issues are being completely left out of the trade talks uh, because this administration doesn't have much of a human right human rights track record when you've got. Uh, how many people in well, a million camps, Uyghurs, yeah. you know, well, being uh, put in here's the thing: the, camps, the comments, yeah. and I, it sounds like the first thing that I thought of when I heard the, you know, the replay of, of, of Biden's comments, where he basically says, "Like China, you know, ugh, they're nothing." That's essentially what he was saying. They can't even figure things out, is what he's saying, and it reminded me exactly of that comment that 
um, Barack Obama made to Mitt Romney about during Russia. the election about Russia. Right, you know, it's the 1980s. Russia called. They want their Cold War back. What have <laughs> we been talking about for the first 40 minutes today? Russia, Russia, Russia. We all know what a threat Russia is. That was something that the Romney was very much aware of and was dismissed by then um, Obama. And by the way, and it was under Obama's watch that Russia did all this Absolutely. stuff. So maybe he really didn't understand the threat of Russia. So now let's fast forward to Biden not seeming at all aware of what's going on with China and dismissing them. Oh, we're going to get them for lunch. You know, they're not they can't even figure out their own borders and all this stuff. At downplaying a very one of probably the most serious threat across the board. All right, let's go to Al in Riverside, Illinois, listening to us on WCGO. Go ahead, Al. Uh, hi, thanks for taking the call. Uh, what, what I'm concerned about is uh, information or a report in the New York Times that the FBI had, was using undercover investigators uh, to meet with the Trump campaign during the the election, and whether this was was spying. Evidently, they used somebody by the name of Stephen Halper, who uh, has a who's been a long time. I just learned this. Who's been a long time FBI informant, not a, not an employee of the FBI, not an agent, um, to meet with uh, Trump campaign people and report back to the FBI. And it turns out that this guy, Halper, um, has been working with the FBI for as an informant for 20 years, Cambridge professor. And prior to, to that, he was involved. He was the CEO of a bank that provided funds for the Iran-Contra affair. So um, all of this really concerns me that they're using somebody like that on a permanent basis. Uh, to Ellen, spy on American citizens. Ellen, let, let, me, let, let, me ask, let, let, me, let me ask you this question. If the investigation into the investigators goes as you would like it to go, how many years do you think it would take before you would be comfortable in knowing uh, the, what the truth is? Just to your comfort level. How long how would it years? take? How many years do you think it would take? Um, I, I'm not sure what, what. Well, it's a it's a my point is it's a complicated trail. We it's already a complicated trail now. If we were to now investigate the investigators and find out which FBI informant was talking to another one and who really introduced uh, you know the Steele dossier and where did all that come from, all of those things would need to be asked about. Do you agree with that? My question to you is, how long do you think that would take? How many years do you think we would have to look into uh, into those s- stories? Well, it might take, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't know that that's, that, that that's relevant because what you're saying is it, it would take too long to investigate. No, I'm, ju- no, I'm, ju- I'm just asking for... It would take at least two years. It would take it, you think at least two years. I think it would yeah. take much more than that. But again, that doesn't mean you don't do it. But I'm just saying is that, you know, does the public have an attitude uh, and an aptitude to, to uh, continue to do it? Back shortly. They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. 
They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch. Until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Let's go to Brian listening to us in Roselle, Illinois. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, good evening. Good Hi. evening. Uh, wow, where to start? Uh, <laughs> well, my, I'd like to ask a quick question before I make my point. Uh, how many of your panelists attended Trump University? Anybody? <laughs> uh, not no. me. No. Nope. <laughs> no, nobody did. Okay. Uh, you know, we seem to – everybody likes to forget that – you know, Donald Trump's committed a lot of fraud, and there's a lot of evidence of it. And if I had Tom Steyer's money, I would just run commercials of Lindsey Graham in 2016 and Mitt Romney making statements about what a fraud and a charlatan Donald Trump is. And there's tons of videos showing what a disgusting human being he is. Everybody knows it with a brain. And, you know, Trump is banking on, his team is banking on the fact that America has short attention spans, they don't stay up to date. They don't pay attention. And he thinks he can just bamboozle his way through this. And I'd like your panelists to comment on that there's still 10 investigations going on. 14. Paul Manafort is still in prison. Uh, Michael Flynn is still awaiting sentencing. There's a lot of stuff to come to light yet. And my prayer is, is that Bob Mueller turns into John Dean and appears before Congress and lets us all know what really happened. Well, he he had his chance. Mueller did. Well, and he agreed and to he testify, take it. too. But here's my question He's is, supposed to show up is a 3.6% yeah. unemployment... Way, the, the president has, has suggested yeah. that, that Mueller not attend the hearing. Oh, I heard the opposite. <laughs> that was, well, yeah. the president late this He just afternoon. tweeted. Oh, he just tweeted oh. it this afternoon. And, but I mean, that's the means that's of communication. Here's the, the other question is, is um, going back to this charlatan aspect... Um, Right now, I'm just going to ask, is a 3.6% um, unemployment rate, is that is that a false rate? It's the lowest in 49 years. And, you know, the, uh, well, the over 3% growth of the economy. Yeah. I mean, well, he, but, this is a person who ran on but jobs, that's a, jobs, but jobs. I don't think but, that's, in all fairness, Stephanie, I don't think that's, that's what you're, actually, you're actually fairly addressing the caller's question, which is we're, you can't just say, oh, well, okay, we've got a great unemployment rate. Let's overlook the fact that there were 32 indictments of uh, under Mueller. Mueller made 32 indictments. We've got the president's former personal lawyer showing up for prison tomorrow to serve his federal his right. federal sentence. He's a who was, yeah. you know, and a well, terrible he, lawyer. No, yeah. and he, I mean they were they, there was there he was convicted on campaign finance fraud. So here's and then well, and Brian, so you've got but, you've but got more, 14 you've got 14 additional. Federal investigations that are ongoing coming out of Mueller, and I, I think for for it to be just sloughed off by saying, "Oh well, the economy's well." I mean, it's, 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 so and, for, and, and by the way, with the economy, okay. we've got a three trillion dollar deficit this Jeff. year. So this is the thing that I think um, a lot of people don't um, 
appreciate is that uh, all the Democrats have to do is not be insane and they can't do it. Right there. There's a circus every other day with the freshman four uh, doing something crazy. Right. You look at the people who are running for uh, president on the Democrat ticket. The, the ones who are actually potential threats to Trump, like um, I would say Biden or um, maybe there's one or two others in there. I'd have to look at the, the ginormous field. They're not going to make it out of the primary because the Democrats are too obsessed with intersectionality. So, yes, if it were just between Trump and some perfect individual. Yeah, okay. I mean, Trump's going to lose. Fine. But it's not. It's these deeply flawed individuals, just like Hillary Clinton in 2016. A vote for Trump was as much a vote against Hillary as it was. It was probably in more cases, like I can say my own. It was a vote against Hillary, not a vote for Donald. We are all flawed individuals, but I think any one of those 21 flawed individuals that are uh, in the Democratic primary now would stand a pretty good chance on Election Day. A lot's going to happen in the next you know, year and a half. I don't. But I mean, I, was, I, I will give you that the there's economy, maybe a handful, but I don't think the entire thing, right? Because, like, yeah, I mean, come on. Brian's Julian po- Castro. Brian's like, where's point. His, where's his. Uh, Brian's point is that the Trump voters are too stupid. And Donald Trump is going to pull the wool over their eyes again. Is that correct, Brian? Have I summarized your position? Uh, and greedy. I would add greedy. <laughs> A lot of them, all they want is tax cuts and conservative yeah. judges, and they don't care about his personal behavior. We're over 100. They are well, willing to overlook but, you know, it. Is that, uh, let me ask you, Brian, how similar is that, in your opinion, to exactly the mindset in the body politic during the Clinton impeachment era? When there were when half of America was just stunned at all the stuff that was coming out about the president and Monica Lewinsky and and selling, uh, you know, sweets in the in the Lincoln bedroom and all that stuff. And yet the economy was great. And Republicans were going crazy because they had all these moral issues. They were playing. They were laying on the table with Bill Clinton and Bill Clinton. You know, and this is what James nothing. Carville said. It's it the economy, stupid. Right. Right. You know, and that's but, so, but, just, but Brian, do you agree? I mean, do you see a comparison well, with Bill, that? Bill that you, you might have been was an accident. Bill Clinton was an accident of history. I'm an electrician. I remember this. The Internet was being implemented all over America. Corporate America was building their Internet and their infrastructure at every office building all over the country when Bill Clinton was president. Yeah. Lucky for him. Presidents get way too much credit for when the economy's good. I would agree and with that. too yep. much blame when the economy's Absolutely. bad. We'll, we'll all agree but on that. Right? Lazy media people like to harp on it. That's my point. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump. But people like money have, in their know, pocket. <laughs> I mean, Donald Trump, his own party, his own party. People like was, money was, in your pocket was calling him a con artist and, and, and you know, a financial fraudster. He's gone through bankruptcy yep. a million times. And and now the Republic like, we can't. People who, and, and I think this goes to Abden's point, you look and see what Lindsey Graham said a few years yep. ago. And now all of a sudden he's the biggest protector of the president and, Listen, and Trump can do no wrong. This is where I, the Republicans I was a, are seriously, are seriously going to step in it. I was a Fiorina <laughs> delegate. Gonna, I was a Fiorina delegate. Oh. Okay. <laughs> right? We're going to let you tell your story when we come back. 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border. I'm Bruce Dumont. Our number one is in the can. And our number two is coming up after network news on all America's great radio stations that you're listening to right now. I'm Bruce Dumont. Don't go away. Beyond the Beltway continues in six minutes.
as an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. Hey y'all, I'm Blake Shelton. I love that country music connects people all over this great nation, but unfortunately so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million children struggle with hunger in America. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks works to rescue our surplus food to help provide billions of meals to families in need across the country. Join the fight against hunger at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org slash caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Mom, juice, juice, juice. Mommy, why are we going to the store? Mom, Mom I want juice. Mom, your child will have different needs at different stages of life, and that includes the car seat. See, car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont continues with Beyond the Beltway, hour number two. Thanks for joining us. 1-800-723-8289 is the telephone number. If you want to tweet me a comment, it's at Dumo, at D-U-M-O. We've got two Republicans. We've got two Democrats. We've had a knockdown, dragout fight in hour number one, talking about the Mueller report and the Attorney General of the United States and whether or not he's going to ever uh, uh, speak again before the Congress. And again, uh, if you did not hear this afternoon, uh, President uh, Trump has now tweeted uh, that he does not believe that Robert Mueller should uh, move forward and and provide any further testimony uh, to Congress. We'll see what happens. But again, uh, that is the advice from uh, the president. No sunlight. Uh, kind of flipped, flipped, uh, flipped his position on that. 
I want to I want to spend just a couple of seconds because I got obviously we we've had several weeks in a row where uh, the conversation has been very very heated. I, I want to look ahead for a moment and, and look ahead to beyond the the next election in 2020, and 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 play some do a little role playing here. What if Donald Trump loses re-election, Stephanie? What happens to the country if he loses re-election? And what, what about his base? But what happens to the country? Tell us, look into the crystal ball. You tell us what you think happens to the country. I think we're going to um, see a lot of government takeover. I think that uh, the economic success that we've been experiencing will quickly erode. Um, all the things that um, Trump did pretty effectively, like uh, eliminating a lot of heavy business regulations, things like that, will completely come back into play. I think what we're talking about is sort of a, you know, a battle between do we want government to control everything or do we want private groups to do the work? Abdin Palish, and- what do you think happens <laughs> the exact if opposite. Donald Trump loses. I think the world breathes a sigh of relief. The country breathes a sigh of relief. I think that in the same way that, you know, minutes after Obama took over from W, he got the Nobel Peace Prize. I think the, the rest of the world says, okay, th- th- this era is over. Um, I, I think that the economy does great. Um, I think that um, it does in, in, in the Republican Party, then they have to take stock and say, okay, this, this flyer we took on Donald Trump, maybe it wasn't a great idea. Maybe we need to regroup. I'd like to see, you know, we'll see who the Democratic, uh, you know, nominee is who would, would, would defeat Trump and, and what kind of style they bring. But I would love to see a new era of bipartisanship. It's, it's become so much more polarized. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Hom, what, what do you think happens in the body politic if Donald Trump loses reelection? I mean, you know, obviously a lot depends on who gets, you know, who takes over the office, right? Because if it's somebody like Bernie, then I think I agree with Stephanie that you're going to see a lot more intervention into um, corporate affairs by the by the government. Um, I, given the way that the left reacted when losing in 2016 and how they completely went after um, people with more of a personal aspect, trying to destroy people's lives, get them from get them fired um, from various things. Um, I, I think you'd see that worse, right? Yeah. Because they would go around, uh, you know, effectively trying to, to, to shoot the survivors, um, not actually shoot them. It's a metaphor. Um, it, it would just be who completely would, Who worse. would be doing that? I, dude, I, the, with how emboldened the progressive left was in order to do yeah. all of these deplatforming yeah. campaigns um, to try and get people fired, et cetera, I think you would see that just – more I to mean, a higher degree. I, think I want to ask say, Jacob. Oh, Jacob's not responded. Jacob, yeah. to the same question. What what happens if Donald Trump loses? What happens to the body politics? Well, Look at I, the big I, picture. I think I think it gives us a great opportunity to restore integrity to our our system of government, restore respect in the separation of powers, and bringing. I'm I'm very much of an institutionalist and believe that our founding fathers and the Constitution set up checks and balances the way they did. And I think we have a president who has just run roughshod over it, who doesn't care about our institutions of government. And I think that is something 
that needs to be restored, and I think it'll restore a level of I would, trust. In I, would have, I would agree that you know, in the, the checks and balances, the Constitution, all that kind of good stuff. It's the reason it's one of the oldest political documents, still functioning political documents in the world, speaks to its effectiveness. But if you look at the Democrats who are running for president, they're running against the First Amendment, the Second Ele- Amendment, the, the Fourth College? Amendment. Oh, you want to advantage? No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's a difference between. There's a difference. There's a way. There's a big difference between. Having having differences of opinion on whether or not we should have background checks and whether or not there should be yeah, there should be limitations that. on assault rifles, which sure. are which are okay. The big difference between that and having respect okay. for the institutions, the three branches of well, government and their separateness, let me, and and the checks and balances that are inherent. You've got a president right now who is who is telling his people who work for him disobey. Subpoenas. Do not allow. Do not recognize the 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 United States House of Representatives' power of oversight that's built into the Constitution. Yeah, I mean that's that's not that's that's not a new that's not a new thing. Let me answer. Let me answer my own question (laughs) because you've all given me sort of a civics lesson. What you hope would happen? Uh, You've looked at the the glass uh, half full, and you've you've looked at it in a way that you know the country will move forward. Um, I don't think so. I, I think you will have the, the vitriol that you've seen on the left and the inability to accept the results of the election, which followed the election of Donald Trump. If he loses, I think the other side, they're going to go apoplectic. I think that there will be violence I think there will be a disrespect for the results. I think it's going to make the first year of Trump's administration like a – it will look like a perfect transition if Donald Trump loses. Because I I think that in in the minds of many Trump supporters, they've done all this. They feel that their guy got beaten up by the media – they're going right. to think that, whether it's true or not. Yeah. They're going to think that he got beaten up by the Democrats. If there's impeachment or non-impeachment, they're going to think that literally uh, this all, all this stuff about the FBI and the CIA, you know, whether it was used against. I think I think the potential for uh, widespread conspiracy theorists, not just amongst the you know the, the core. I think that's going to expand to a much broader and and and, and I don't I, think there will be violence. Well, I, you're, you're making I'm the just, same I, point I'm, that Nancy Pelosi made. Was, there was a, yeah. a, a very interesting article in the New York Times that Nancy Pelosi said that Trump will contest the election. There will be uprising unless it is an overwhelming, undeniable, undisputed victory. That's, in which case, in which case, it is clear mandate. That's possible. And, and by the way, I don't believe there will be an overwhelming uh, victory by either side in 2020. I'm just saying is that I don't have as as positive a, a a projection of what will happen if and by the way if if the Democrats were to were you know were, were obviously the Democrats would win in this scenario, I just think that the uh, the hardcore Trumpsters are going to make life miserable yeah. for well, the I don't, for that's what they I will tell you the hardcore uh, Democrats have made life miserable. What I well, my I know, my but, fear, I guess, is that. What we and we talked about this during one of our breaks is that under George Bush, under McCain, you know, went and then under Obama, 
there has what? really since George Bush. I got to stop you. We got some music playing. We'll be back shortly. One eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hey y'all, I'm Blake Shelton. I love that country music connects people all over this great nation, but unfortunately so does something else, childhood hunger. 15 million children struggle with hunger in America. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks works to rescue our surplus food to help provide billions of meals to families in need across the country. Join the fight against hunger at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org slash caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. And, Stephanie, you're talking about the, the, the post-Trump uh, era. Right. My uh, you know, Sandman. if he loses, I mean, is an example. I mean, we're talking right. about, you know, what what if. I, I guess the other question, you know, the, the other thing is, here's the other question. And I'll ask the Democrats because they'll probably go apoplectic with this question. The question <laughs> is, what if Trump wins? What if, <laughs> Trump, what if Trump wins big? What do you, what, what do you do? What do you do next? It's. I mean, I think I everybody get married in Canada. I don't know. <laughs> oh come on! I think Democrats just, already went kidding. through their no, just their grieving and and denial process. You know, two and a half years. ago. I think we're on anger right time, now. Though. So we, 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 yeah. where are we at in the stage? I think we're on denial. anger. Um, so it, it, it wouldn't be any worse than you know two and a half years ago. Um, but I mean, you know, really? Trump, Trump could do well, a lot we more damage. That the world would fall so, apart. Has right. the world fallen Paul, apart? For Paul Krugman yeah, wrote there. that, that we would end up. But here's work a, in progress. But here's the point, and I and I and I and I want. In fact, I'm going to suggest if you're if you're a Democrat or if you're a liberal, I want you to pull off the road. If you're listening to us right now, I want you to pull <laughs> off the side of the road because I want you to contemplate what I'm about to say. Because we asked the question, what if Donald Trump lost? What if Donald Trump won re-election and knew that he would never, ever have to face voters again? What would a second Trump administration what, be what, like? Because he, he's been holding a, back. He'd build that wall. <laughs> That's what he would do. He would take everything. I think he would well, do what that. Else? Well, what else? I, mean, so I think he has a, a sense of deliver, what, delivering uh, for grabbing his money, Grabbing as much money as he can get his yeah. greedy oh, hands on. on and oh, putting it into on. the pocket, his own pockets in the yeah. pocket. Okay, Democrats, you can go back on the road now. Hopefully you have not. Uh, I think he's already done. I mean, he, he came into office and, and kind of surprised. Some people thought that he might govern a little bit more restrained than he campaigned as a candidate. And no, he's been every bit out there on, would, on, on the wall. He's done and I would actually, he I would actually disagree. Yeah. Right. So, so I think it's more the Jeff same. Holmes. So, so yes, if you, if he, if everything he talked about actually translated into things, I would agree with you that it's much farther out there than, than, um, than we would have expected. However, if you look at the actual policies that have been passed by the United States Congress, they're in keeping with a generic Republican president. Right. I mean, there's actually tightening of sanctions against Russia. Um, we killed something like 250 Russians in Syria um, on a uh, an attack on one of our bases. There's uh, the economy's booming. 
all this. I mean, this this is all generic Republicans. Any, we know we any, have enshrined bigotry in what, terms of keeping out certain countries judges. that can't come in. Yeah, you know that what was a huge, do? huge what, part of his. Campaign. Okay, I want to switch gears now. Yeah. I want to talk about another important issue was on the front page in all, all the newspapers this past week and every newscast because when we woke up on Tuesday, uh, there was like wall to wall, you know, cable network coverage out of Venezuela. Because at that particular time, the speculation was uh, that the the forces uh, tied to Maduro were going to basically give up a switch over uh, to uh, to the opposition leader, and that didn't happen. And then there was a report from Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State Pompeo, that uh, Russia had told uh, Maduro, "Don't you know? Don't leave." He was ready, allegedly ready to get on a plane and go to Havana. So my question to you is, because this big buildup last week where it looked like our side in that debate down or that government down there was going to be favorable to us, it didn't happen. So what do we do next? And how important is uh, Venezuela to the United States? Jeff? Um, You know, there's there's headlines today saying that uh, Godot was going to Ask is considering to ask the U.S. to intervene militarily. We should not do that. We we should not be using military assets in this. However, I believe that Guaido is the um, uh, the legitimately elected leader, and that Maduro should leave. Right. However, there's no. But reason where for were him all his people? I mean, he, th- there was a goodly number of people out well, there, but what he what he people? hinted people Guaido his, oh, his his people. The people in the military that he was well, that he said of, were going to switch, they didn't switch. Well, and well, there, there's a lot of fear because if you choose wrong, you could be killed. And here's the thing. We also now know that there has been a huge influx of both Russian and compu- and Cuban security agents that are in there advising that military As paramilitary, now. Yeah. Exactly. And so they're shoring up. Do we up. know that? Well, that's, yes, that's what that's the, that's the, what the administration that's what most said. recently is saying. Yeah. Is does the president know that? <laughs> watch, watching uh, Mike Pompeo this morning on the on the Sunday talk shows, trying to dance all around. What, well, what Trump just said: Are the Russians there or aren't they? And he had to sort of talk both sides because he had said one thing and Trump said something else. I, I don't think yeah. the administration has gotten its line quite Trump straight. Trump said that, yeah. that 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 in his conversation with Putin. That he, he should get out. He, he hint, no, he hinted that they were that, that they might have been on the same side. I mean, which, it, which it side was, is it, that? That's, no, yeah, it, it was very sure it that. was very confusing listening Maduro. to Mike Pompeo. But we know the Cubans work very, for Russia. It, it, we know it's that been, we've had all sorts of confusing information coming. Uh, that's out what it, I'm including, saying, yeah. including whether or not. Well, we we don't. It, it's it's still a, uh, a maybe a coup in the happening. I mean, it's well, it maybe we that we, yeah that's what that, that's yeah. what they're suggesting is that oh no he's just in the Spanish embassy and he's 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 conducting operations out of there and Maduro's the goal is still to get Maduro out and they're negotiating it, but th- these are like there's just misinformation coming from all different directions, including right. the White House. Bolton came out and said stuff which is now the White House is contradicted. So who knows? Right. Well, let me let me ask you this: We have four American you know voters here. Is there a military effort on the part of the United States that you would support? Mm. In other words, the Russians allegedly are there. The Cubans allegedly are there. The question is, 
Can you make a case, could you make a case to send your son or daughter off to fight a war in Venezuela, and and would you be comfortable about that? We're going to ask the known mother. Of the, an Air Force, yeah. Mother is yes. in children. Yeah. Mother right. Of, uh, mother of an Air Force <laughs> cadet. Okay. So, yeah. Um, no, I think, and I don't no. think that, you know, Trump has been one of these guys, and I think you, you, Evan, you were saying you agreed he didn't want to go into Iraq. He seems very reluctant to want to start putting boots on the ground in a, in a foreign country. However, I think that there are other things our military can yes, do absolutely. short of boots on the ground in Venezuela. If that means staging relief efforts or whatever on the, along the Colombian border, what about, um, you know, what about barricading? Uh, one of the things talked about today was uh, barricading, um, putting up a barricade for um, oil Tankers what about a a heading to Cuba a for refineries? What about a, a cor- what about a, what, what about, about a cor- like yeah? What about a quarantine of Cuba? With, in in yeah. Nicaragua in the eighties, they had ships all along right. both sides. I mean, of I think Nicaragua trying to suffocate it. I think we can right. present you a just presence. Hurt, you just what harm the people. You harm the people. Oh, you already, do, I mean, they're already they're, they're, well, they're already, already it's harmed. already bad. It's already really really bad. I mean, nation building is a really difficult thing to do, and, and we not, have not, not done very well. We we're have not, not done very okay, well. Jake, Jacob, let me ask you this we question. Don't want that okay, let, let's get everybody's reaction to this. Is is the presence of Russian and, and uh, Cuban troops in Venezuela, in your mind, does that warrant military action to get them out? Is, is that a violation of... Of the Monroe Doctrine. Well, okay. I mean, you bring up the Monroe Doctrine. It's, I, you know that that's a whole Bolton thing. You know, he thinks that well, the United I, States is entitled to control all the entire well, what, hemisphere what, just what by you, right. No, no, no. But what, what does Jacob Meister feel? I mean, I, I think we have we have interests there. Certainly, there's oil interests mm-hmm. there. I think there's humanitarian interests. Yep. Which yep. Uh, you know, it, it's very difficult for this administration to take high ground on any humanitarian issues but if they did that would be i think that would be a very good <laughs> a very good thing um you can support and you can you can help um the process happen but i don't think sending in troops it's never proven yes. to, Abdin, to work i, I mean i, I guess it did in panama i, I, I worked in I panama ask Ab, i want to ask Abdin, another democrat is there a way in which military action to extricate those troops from Venezuela that you would support? I think, you, I think you're seeing bipartisan support here from all four of us. And I, the, the, I don't think America wants sending troops down to, uh, to Venezuela to, to solve this. Now, I, I don't know how much documented proof there is that they're, they're, they're Russian and Cuban. Are there actual troops? Are, the, are these Iranian advisors? Well. Are there, you know, if, 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 yeah. If some powerful evidence came out about that, you know, then I think that opens a new discussion. But I, don't, I, I really, Jeff, I think there'd be a pretty high bar for military intervention. Jeff, what, what is your what is your reaction? Um, if if it was absolutely positively proven and shown to you that there are Russian and there are uh, Cuban troops in Venezuela propping up Maduro right now, would you support a military action whose goal would be to get them out and re- basically uh, to to rattle the sables? the Sabres, rather, of the Monroe Doctrine. This is a violation of the Monroe Doctrine. 
I, I think there are many other tools that we have aside from Such direct as. military force, right? So there it has so let's, worked so far. So let's say, for example, we find this incontrovertible evidence that not only China, Cuba, Russia, and let's say Iran, because there are direct yeah. flights between uh, Caracas okay. and um, and um, Tehran, Tehran. Yeah. Um, that that have been picking up in pace. Let's say we have incontrovertible evidence. I think the world stage is where you can to you can do that. We can tighten sanctions. On those, com- on those countries that have much more to lose than Venezuela. The Venezuelan economy is in shambles. There's no sanctions that we can do that wouldn't hurt the people that we're, very, you know, that we're trying to help. Um, I, I do not believe in direct military action in this circumstance. I maybe could be talked into a blockade. I mean, the thing is, is that when somebody tries to run your blockade, you got to use force on them anyway. So, like... That I would gets, like that gets well, tough. And we have I European like partners. To, I would like to hear from you when we come back. Fifty countries. I'd like to hear from you when we come back. I'd like to hear from the audience as well. One eight hundred seven two three eighty two eighty nine. This is a quick yes or no. Would you support U.S. military action in Venezuela to kick out the Russians and the Cubans? <laughs> Juice, Mom. Juice, juice, juice. Mommy, why are we going to the store? Mom, Mom I want Mommy. juice. Mom. Juice, 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 Mom. Mom. Your child will have different needs at different stages of life, and that includes the car seat. See, car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Protect your child's future at every stage of life. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back. Thanks very much for joining us tonight, coast to coast and border to border. Now in our 39th year on the air every Sunday night, let's go to Bob in Racine, Wisconsin. He has a question to the uh, one I posed before the break. Would you support military action in Venezuela? Bob. Well, first of all, Bruce, it's it's Paul, not Bob. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, it um, says Bob up there. I absolutely (laughs) would support military action in Venezuela. Why? Because Venice, because I would, I would, and I think our U.S. government would interpret what the Russians and the Cubans are doing as offensive-minded, and we cannot allow them to get a foothold in this hemisphere. And I do have a family that's in the military. She's actually a high-ranking um, Air Force uh, person. And she told me the biggest threat we face is China. And because they're building those bases in the South China Sea, and they we look at them as being very offensive because they can strike our assets in our in, in America from so, there. So I have a question for you, Paul. Um, what does uh, this is Jeff? I'm one of the Republicans. What does uh, what does victory look like for you? What's the victory condition after which we say we did the job and the blood and treasure was worth it? Getting Russia and Cuba out of Venezuela. Okay, but how do we know that that's done, right? So, like, 
nobody with a Russian passport or a Cuban passport is allowed within the borders of Venezuela. I mean, like, I just don't know how that's enforceable. Well, would, I, I guess I guess the question, um, Paul, is, is would you be willing to have the U.S. Really, military presence as an advisors for a post-Maduro government? Um, I mean, what, I, are we talking like a permanent presence? Let's, 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 let, let's, let, Paul, let's yeah. let Paul let, let respond. Me, Go ahead. Let me answer. Let me ask a question. Sure. Let me ask a question. What do you think the purpose of our military is? Um, I mean, and our borders. Well, so so I would actually argue that the, the United States uh, Navy is the guarantor of the shipping lanes across the entire world. Okay, that's one branch of the military. Yeah. Overall, what is the objective of our military? To, to defend our shores. And, to defend well, our shores. To defend our interests. To defend our, our interests. Con- actually, it, we take an oath to the Constitution. Folks, folks, let, let Paul respond yeah. before we jump on him. Go ahead, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Back to you. No, I think, I think the, the goal of our military is to defend our shores, but it's also to protect our assets around the world and in outer space. And, and in cyberspace, which is actually under, underwhelming right now. But okay, I mean, so me, then, 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 then clearly, and again, we're we're going to, you know, this is an open question to anybody to respond. You're the first one that's responded thus far, because there's a lot of people in America, as you know, Republicans and Democrats, that are war weary, mm-hmm. and and especially when you have a president when he ran, uh, his. He was an isolationist. This was a guy that didn't want military action. He criticized, you know, previous military action. He criticized it for, you know, a lack of of uh, of, of basic quality intelligence. I mean, the, the 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 conversation that I had just about five minutes ago with Abdon. I mean, we were not doing a you know an Abdon Costello routine here. We we both watched the Secretary of State today on television. And it was agonizing because it, it appeared that he was saying something completely different than what the president had said about, you know, what, whether Russia was, was you know, you know the, the, they wanted to help in, in, in Venezuela. Well, how are they helping in Venezuela? So there's, 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 con, there, there's confusion even amongst the administration as to what they want to do next. And I don't know how they... You know, I don't know how they they rally the American people uh, to a position when they may not even have the position thought out amongst themselves. Paul, I have a, a question. So, so let's say we do intervene militarily. We accomplish the goal of getting Russian and Cuban and Chinese and all that military interference out. Uh, what what do we do then? Do we establish a permanent presence like we have in Japan or Germany? Do we just kind of go back and say, "All right, we're good," and and leave like we did after, you know, Gulf One? I mean, what what does this look like after afterwards? So to answer that question, it, it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. You do establish a presence there. Um, you mentioned it before. We have an established presence all over the world. And really, that's to our advantage. And really, that's the goal of our military, is to give us an advantage. Do you really think, let me ask you this question, do you really think the leaders of China and Russia really have the best interest of the United States at heart? No, absolutely not. Right. And, and really, the goal of our military is to give us that advantage for that reason. That is the goal of our military. 
It's the goal of the military with it's the goal of the military based on leadership to spread our influence around the world. Based on leadership that's provided by the executive branch with the support of Congress and the American people. They they all have they all have to they often all have to work well because if you have the military going off without the support of Congress, I think that's wrong. And, and I also yeah. think it's I think it's wrong if you if you if you engage in 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 military action without the support of the people. And, and I you think, need that. I think one thing also is that military is the last right the Absolutely. last Absolutely. line of interaction. <laughs> Absolutely, You're, you yeah. have to have a robust diplomatic effort. You have to have you know alliances. Right. You have to right. have strategic partnerships, and your your military is your your fallback in the last instance. Right. I think we, we need to have a very robust diplomatic solution, too. And th- and there's no way that, this, that we should be doing this on our own. Right. We right. have partners I mean, in Europe who the, have correct. just as strong yeah, what, And the potential but, 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 model but, here but, but, is but Kosovo. Why, why, yes. are, why, why would Europe be helping us in Venezuela? They have interest. They have interest in oil. I don't they think have, they'd be helping us. I, I think, think they, they have, have interest, interest in stability, human rights. There's a whole. There's, uh, and we, I think they also don't like having Russia meddling in all sorts correct. of places as well. Right. Because, I mean, if they can do it in Venezuela, we already know what they can do in the Ukraine and the Crimea and all of this. Okay. I, I mean, the, the I mean question your, is, our European partners have been very clear that they do stand with us. In this, right, the, right. The, I mean, the there's question. mending offenses that needs yeah. to go on, but I think yeah. there, but it, I think it can be done. Paul, thank you for your call. We we move on to Kevin listening to us in Austin, Texas, on KLBJ. Go ahead. Uh, hi, yeah, I was calling uh, about the the uh, the guy liberal before the hour. Yes, <laughs> he was saying how you know Trump voters are ignorant and that type of thing, and yes, he's you know Trump is dating and he's stupid. It's that type of liberal, uh, as Tom Rosen would say, the wine and cheese uh, crowd, limousine liberal in attitude, who uh, it's going to get, you know, the working class guy, the average, you know, Joe, so to speak, is that's why they can't stand the liberal media. And I think the condescending attitude. So if they keep on with that attitude, they're going to lose again. There are only six counties that are, you know, flip it one way or the other. And Trump knows that. So. Well, I, you know, th- that is always uh, amazes me is that sometimes uh, political leaders don't learn or parties learn from their previous mistakes. And I, I have not seen anything thus far to indicate that the Democrats have learned the lesson of 2016. I mean, they're, they're trying to, to, to basically come up with a scenario that they can get enthusiastic about. But again, that was the yeah, Russia I mean, connection by, and by it, insulting it swing play. voters, right, and it didn't. Right. Play. It didn't. It didn't. Yeah, play. well, they're, they're insulting them because they didn't go to college, so they're not very articulate, right? And it's. It, but you know, they're passionate about. I want a job. I want to work. I want to provide for right. my family. You know, if you're going to do what you're going to do, I hear all it, the you know, democratic nominees are libertarians. All right, let's go to Abdin Palish. I hear all the Democratic nominees talking about lunch bucket issues. But we want to be able to, you know, we want a country where you can afford to, you know, get a, get a job, support your family. Uh, talking about exactly those issues, they're not talking down, and they're not. Uh, well, well, you know, and they're talking about those issues, but Trump has actually followed through and provided that wages are going up. Right? Trump is trying to More kill health care for everybody. So if that's if that's going to be their attack, they're. 
you know, they had no argument. Trump has provided those things. Well, I mean, it is, but it is an it's an interesting strategy to sort of come out. And I, I sort of I understand I, I'm completely with you, Kevin, on this. And that is to say, you know, uh, you made a mistake in 2016. Um, yeah. And and You're now stupid. and now we're yeah. going to, you know, we're going to double down. We're going to double down on that. And that I, I think that the Democrats might find themselves in an incredible uh, rock and hard place. By doing that, that's a very careful line to do that. And I think Biden, um, his strategy to make it about the person and the persons who vote for him is because he can't really do it on the economy is going to be very dicey. I, I think he's Kevin, walking a tight line. Kevin, stay on the li- stay on the line for the question I'm going to ask uh, uh, our guests, our Democratic guests. And I'll start with uh, with Jacob. Jacob, h- how confident are you that Joe Biden is this blue collar guy who can break through to these voters in Wisconsin and Michigan and Ohio and and Pennsylvania and beat Donald Trump? um, That's who Joe Biden is. And he's been that for decades and decades. He's, you know, a scrappy guy from Scranton. And he, you know, he has a bond with, uh, particularly Midwest, um, you know, working class. Is he working, the, you know, working is he the, families, only, is and, he and, and the think, only Democrat that can do it in the field no, right now? No, I think I think we've got we've I think we've got a great field of candidates. And, you know, it's very early on. Who else? And we'll see. We'll Who else? See, uh, you know, can I Kamala Harris make that case. Um, I think that we can. I think that somebody like um, Elizabeth Warren Ooh. has has like has passion for the issues that impact working families, every family. We've got a pause. I want to hear from Abbott when we come back. Bruce Dumont, one more segment to go. Don't go away. They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch. Until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kids buckle up. We are heading into our last segment on Abdin Palace. You wanted to make a comment uh, based on the last segment. Yeah, I, th- I think that Joe Biden is like 30 points ahead in every poll, you know, that, that's come out of the last several days is because he does connect with the, you know, the, the average voter so well and he does. He really does have those blue collar roots, and he he plays that. You know the 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 and he's un- old. The, the, un- the, the and onion. He's old you know, and old people and he hasn't vote. been blue collar in a long yeah. time. But that that onion parody of him as as Diamond as the guy, Biden as, as the guy in the White House in his uh, t shirt, you know, working on and, his uh, car and like in the driveway vest. You know, people kind of see him as that way. I mean, he's, he's, there's a comfort level with Joe Biden 
that, that America feels comfortable with him. And he's, he's, he'll have to have some answers for, you know, women voters on the Anita Hill stuff and the, well, he uh, the affectionateness. But, but, you know, but I, I think that he's, he obviously starts out as the front runner. I think there's, the Democrats have plenty of folks that have, can have that uh, Midwest blue collar. You know, Pete Buttigieg, got Indiana a small town mayor. Uh, Tim Ryan from uh, Youngstown. There, there, Tim Ryan would be a strong candidate. I just don't think he's going to get. I don't think he has the staff. Ryan to, to also recently criticized Biden on on China, saying that yeah. his remarks were completely out of touch. No, yeah. um, I mean that's a primary. He's be, the type of guy. He's the type of guy that would be a very strong candidate if, if frankly, he he gets his you know CNN town hall. I mean, right. one of the things yeah. get a, I think he would be a lot stronger than Pete Buttigieg. I and mean, Buttigieg yeah. is doing well now. But I'm talking about if I'm looking at Wisconsin and Michigan and, and Ohio and Pennsylvania yeah. Amy and, and Klobuchar, the blue collar, when she gets Klobuchar that, could Amy do Klobuchar's it. Perfect. She, she Klobuchar. could do that, that announcement in the I blizzard that was pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, well, you know, but they, they have to avoid what um, Obama even said, and that's the circular firing squad. And yeah. it, the question is, what will be. Um, the taste for blood, so to speak, among the candidates to go after each other and be willing to damage the person who might be the one that I, I has to they, lead. They don't have to do that. They can have a policy discussion. So he was going to be able to take so. on the Republican nominee who will be Bill Wells. Well, That'll be great. I think, be, I think you have to be aggressive. I will, I will bet you yeah. any amount of money. Any amount of that money. I would, I would like Wells. to see a spirited Republican primary with Bill Wells taking on and, and Donald Romney Trump. Romney figured oh that out early, he would, too. He would get he the floor. Out. Trump would not, wipe the floor with Wells. Exactly. Well, I, I hope you're not putting a lot of money into that, uh, <laughs> in that race. Needs um, coverage. I mean, one of the interesting things about Biden. Let me ask you this question, Jeff and Stephanie. Uh, would it be good for Donald Trump to have a Republican primary because uh, all the media is going to be stuck over here on the Democratic side? Would it be good to have no. some no. sort of a primary no. to help Donald I, Trump? He doesn't need um, any. I mean, he doesn't need a to primary get to get media attention. Exactly, and that would be the only I, reason. I why. think it could. I think it could do quite a bit to help the Senate Republicans mm. not get slaughtered in. Actually, November of 2020. The, the map is actually very favorable to Republicans in this cycle. Um, not as favorable as last cycle um, from the Senate. But there's, I, there's eight seats that are seriously at play. I, you got 22 that are 22 or 23 Republicans who but, are up, and it's, it's gonna, you're going to have minimum but, six but that Schumer's, are seriously at pay, play, and, and probably closer to eight. And, and one of the and great hopes, worse. one of the great hopes there was Georgia. And uh, Stacey Abrams just said she wasn't going to run um, for senator. I forget Schumer was trying to recruit somebody else in one of those hotly contested seats, and that other person backed out. Their name escapes me right now. Um, there's no upside to for the Republicans to try and primary Donald Trump. Zero. I think it'd be healthy yeah. for America to have that discussion. And I, I'm being somewhat facetious when I say he's going to be the nominee. He'd be an absolute long shot. But as a former, you know, governor of uh, of Massachusetts, he has a credible platform from which to challenge Donald Trump and and, and try and take on the mainstream like Republicans and say that. Like when, when when was yeah. he? When was he? Um, when did he leave office? Oh, in Massachusetts, yeah. like he tried to get elected in New York, yeah. and then he ran for vice he should, president. He should I mean, run as a Democrat. Well, he was on the Libertarian <laughs> ticket in 2016, yeah. right? He was, yeah, uh, he he was run Johnson's as a Democrat, running right. mate. Right. Yeah. There, there's no upside for the Republican Party to try and primary. Do you are to our Democrats? Do you have your candidate for 2020 personally, Jacob? No, no. I, I, no. I really, I really believe the process is going to be good. There, there have been some adjustments made in the progress process. 
from 2016. I think it's going to be good. We're going to have we're going to have a thousand flowers that bloom, and we're going to we're going to beat Donald Trump. Do you have in a candidate? Ab- absolutely not. I think we've got an embarrassment of riches there, and I think among, among some of the ones we've already talked about, I think Cory Booker is also a strong contender. I think we'll see have some. Yes or no answer. Yes or no answer, folks. I'm going to start with you, Jacob. Is Bernie Sanders electable? Yes. Abden. I think there's a lot of I, yes I think, or no. I, I think I think the Republicans here would like for him to be the nominee. Actually, actually yes. I would not. Yes. I, nope. I would not. Um, there is there is an incom- uncomfortable amount of crossover vote mm-hmm. between Bernie and Trump. Yeah. And if Bernie was the nominee in 16, I'm not sure if Trump wins. It's an interesting. We, we, we'll never that. know. But it, it, he does. He does excite some people. It's sort of like, you know, do you, do you go with the old formula for putting together the, the coalition or do you sort of like Obama, you got to get new people who haven't voted before to vote, and Bernie might get new people who haven't voted before to vote. So Yeah, but, you know, it's interesting. I don't, but I don't think he's the nominee, though. Bernie isn't the surprise that he was, you know, in 2016, right. yeah. and, so, and so that means there's a lot more things that can come out about him. Um, I think that um, the people that crossed over to Trump um, are – for, they crossed over for economic reasons. Mm-hmm. They're getting that economic reason. Right. And when the, when Trump's policies are contrasted with the socialism or democratic socialism, whatever Bernie calls it, and and we see the success of one, um, that's not that's, they're not going back. That's to the important. Actually, they're I not think, going no, back. To I think I think the the reason why you had all these crossovers was the. Drain the swamp message. Well, it was it too. was the drain the swamp well, and, message, and, 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 and I think those voters those voters message. could be to the right, those voters right. can be in the and, left, and, and, and Bernie Sanders to, appealed to them the same but way. Trump Donald still Trump. has the tra- drain the swamp swamp message because he can now say, "Look what Washington has been trying to do." To Correct, me all right? Along. Candidate Trump he, in twenty twenty. The more that but, they keep going again, after him, but, but again, could his voters say, "You know what? You tried it for three and a half years." You didn't pull it all off. It isn't going to be any better for the next four years. I, I gave you one shot. I'm not going to give you another. He's the, yeah, but he's I like, the king of the swamp. Guess now. what? The, I like my bank account. I like my <laughs> bank account. Okay. On that go. note, our thanks to Jeff Halm and also to Stephanie Hitt and to Jacob Meister and to Abdin Palace for joining us this week on Beyond the Beltway. I want to thank Eric Thomas, the operations chief here at WYND, and George Hoffman, who's been on the board. And John Benedict, who's been screening the calls this evening. I'm Bruce Dumont. This is a Jenny B. production. Good night from Elk Grove Village, Illinois.